You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Sometimes when you're planning, you think you've got it all sorted, and then you realize you don't, which is why it's great to have experts on the show, especially experts that we love and appreciate. I mean, we appreciate all our experts, don't worry. But this person today, uh, the lovely Erica from Folia de Events. I can never say it properly. Did I say it correctly today? You did. You got it. God, I feel so fancy when I say it. You're very good. You might notice uh, lovely Erica Greenwood Risen is from the Bridechiller community. She is my right-hand gal. Uh, We work together very closely. And today, Erica, you are on as a very special expert to talk about all the little things that often couples neglect to do, forget, and then freak out about. Welcome to the show. Hello. Nice to be back. (laughs) So, hello everyone. Yeah, um, I see y'all in the community all the time, and this is actually an episode that we're kind of, we're picking up um, on some stuff that you guys were asking about, and we decided to to make it an episode. So, uh, yeah, do we want to kind of jump in? We do. I guess I should say a little bit, for people who don't really know me, I'm like primarily a wedding planner and coordinator, um, and then also design and stuff like that. So, um, that's, that's what I do that I've been doing folio do events for two years now, but, um, I've been in the wedding industry in various ways for a couple of years, um, beyond that. Um, so yeah, I've got uh, a lot of, um, a lot of weddings under my belt where I've seen these things happen. Mm. So, um, and before you go, Erica, I don't want to, I know, I just want to say you're like, more than a triple threat when it comes to this because you have <laughs> and I know you wouldn't say it but as well as being as you said you know a gun coordinator and knowing your shit you're also you know a very knowledgeable all-round wedding person having designed dresses and you are now into floral mm-hmm. design which I'm very excited about learning more about and I know you're going to do some blogs and hopefully some videos yeah. for us because I think this is a very cool That's area so that a lot of people don't know <laughs> much about so and you know and we just love if you see Erica, like she's straight on in the community. This is what I think the Bridechilla community thrives because you are there. You see stuff that I just don't see. Oh. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I just spent <laughs> too much time on Facebook. <laughs> so do I. But you're like in and you answer and, and, you know, so I'm, you know, just eternally grateful for your yeah, friendship and you. support so Uh-oh. yes there you go oh. let's all go cry <laughs> right now I go back to hard now we go back to hard facts let's get to it okay little things and and might we add that I know you're going to talk about this as well Erica but people who there's lots of people that DIY their whole wedding and we're not saying don't do that we think it's great if you've got the time and energy and all the other the balls to do it but also if you have a wedding planner or coordinator on your team a lot of these things may hopefully be considered Mm-hmm. yeah um that's so basically i created this list um i've got six things but who knows I, they're it may morph into slightly more things if we if they pop into my head cool. but there's six things that um i hear questions from people both in the bridechilla community but also from my own clients mm-hmm. when um you know if we're i have a huge like master planning checklist that um i 
like to hope my clients, you know, work through dutifully. Yeah. Um, but they don't always, and um, particularly when it's a coordination client, and I'm, I'm not as um, as involved in the planning process. A lot of times, these are questions that come up um, that they'll email me, and because they've got me to to get in touch with, I can give them the, you know, just here's the answer. Yeah. Let's go. Um, and then we're good. But if you don't have a coordinator to bounce these questions off of, um, it's, it either can go without being considered at all until it's too late or you're stuck trying to find answers online, which can sometimes be difficult, um, or sourcing from other people, um, in communities and things. And, you know, and at that point it can, you can get some mixed information. Yeah. So, I agree. Um, I think it's uh, these are little things that are important to the flow of your wedding day. Um, they're kind of boring, honestly. They're like logistics related, but I'm gonna just jump right into it. Do it. Um, absolute first one is uh, related to getting your marriage license and also making sure your officiant is a hundred percent able to perform your ceremony. Um, a lot of people, particularly here in Bridechilla land where we have a lot of non-traditional weddings, a lot of people are doing, um, basically they're having like friends or they're trying to have a non-traditional, um, wedding where they have like a secular officiant or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this before on the show, but you need to make sure that the person you're going to have be your officiant is legally allowed to marry you in the state you're getting married in or the country you're getting married in. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best thing to do is long before your wedding, like months and months and months, call the local government. Um, here in North Carolina, it would be the Register of Deeds, but it's in a lot of states it's a Register of Deeds. And in other places, you know, just check in with your local government, find out who you need to talk to about checking to make sure your officiant is allowed. A lot of this information is a bit difficult to find directly and clearly online because it's state governments and local governments and their websites are a mess. Shit. So just call somebody. Um, because also the, the other issue is sometimes you could read something you know, like that's written in the law and you might interpret it differently than like a court has it interpreted it. So mm. You, or like the way that they intended it because, you know, legal writing is different from, uh, from, you know, how we would speak. So just call somebody and get that information. The other part, the marriage license, you need to make sure that you're getting the license for the proper jurisdiction. So like, let's say you're coming from out of town, you, uh, might need to find out, do I need to get my license where I live? Do I need to get my license where I'm getting hitched? Like those things vary from state to state and country to country. So definitely uh, ask, and you can ask both of these questions when you call this, the local government where you're getting married. Uh, so just get on the phone really early. And then usually you don't actually have to do anything about getting your license until closer to the event, but um, get those answers really early on so you know and you can plan around that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you can arrange for a legal efficient or you can arrange to do like a justice of peace um, or civil ceremony um, in front of a magistrate first um, and then have your friend or family member do the ceremony um, that you want. 
those are all options. And can but I, that's just, a can, can I add, Erica, that a lot of people, yeah. I, I know that um, there were some discussions this week in the the community of people going, oh, I, I feel bad having another ceremony before. It doesn't feel real. And I, I just want to say, I know you did that, Erica. I know um, yeah. lovely, my cousin Belinda did it when she got married mm-hmm. in Hawaii and her friend Gary but was an officiant. He was registered, but they also, for visa purposes and legal stuff, they went to town hall and just did it in Chicago. And yeah. I really think that you've just got to separate, not to say that those ceremonies and is it, you know, they're not meaningful, but if it makes your life easier, and as you said, if it's legal and all the stuff is done, it's, it's an advantage to you. And I don't think it's a cop out or you're feeling like you're letting people down. They're going to be there to see you have this sort of, you're all dressed up and you're snazzy and Mm -hmm. you're having a lovely day. It's completely different. And I I don't think you should be worried about so many people get hung up on it. It's like, Oh my God, this is going to make your life so much easier. Just do it. Don't worry. Yeah. I, so in my own personal experience, I will say that our, our like, elopement ceremony was like wonderful and amazing we had about 20 people there and like it felt very special and 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 great the bigger wedding in air quotes the big wedding Mm -hmm. um when we were we actually did still do the exact same ceremony again and we added in the ring ceremony so our ceremony at our second (laughs) second wedding was actually longer um that felt much more emotional because of all the people being there mm-hmm. so and like because of the hubbub of the day yeah. so even though we had already been married for five months like i i can assure you guys it will still feel special and meaningful and you don't have to tell everybody if you already like technically or legally married you can or you, you don't have to you can kind of do it either way i'd say tell the people where it matters most like probably your close family you know because then you've got like legal related things you know if they didn't know you were uh, <laughs> actually legally married and then you were like in a car accident or something. I mean, hate to, I mean, that literally happened to us. We had a car accident a month before our wedding. We were fine, but oh. still like these things happen. Like you should probably tell at least somebody you're legally married. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, not to be a, a downer, um, no. but yeah, I, I think that getting legally married at like a, either at the courthouse or, in a, a small elopement ahead of time isn't really going to impact the uh, the feelings you have on the day. And it's not going to impact the feelings your guests have either because mm. to them, they're still seeing you get married for the first time. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. yeah. So then my next thing, now this is something that you want to be considering when um, you're looking at venues. And um, that is the catering areas the catering setup areas and the bar setup areas and then all of the rules they have around catering and bar at the venue and i bring this up because a lot of people are using sort of non-traditional um or kind of uh, venues that aren't necessarily like wedding businesses they're not event halls and when you're getting into using these spaces that you know maybe weren't initially intended for that the catering and the bar areas can be um a little sketchy yeah and you need to make sure that things like power water refrigeration um, I mean, refrigeration is a huge one. If you do not have refrigeration on site, you need to discuss that with your caterer 
from the very beginning. Um, and you might even have to rent stuff. Um, and they may end up charging you extra to rent equipment. If you don't have the ability to plug in and get power to, to heat things, um, or to, um, if you, if anything needs to be cooked on site, you know, do, does your caterer need a full kitchen? A lot of even event halls don't have full kitchens. They just have a catering kitchen, which really is a bunch of sinks and stainless steel tables, essentially, (laughs) you know, you're not going to have that full, um, the full functional kitchen. So in your, um, in your early stages, when you're looking at venues and you're thinking about what you want from your catering and what you want from your, uh, from the venue, you need to make note of all those details so that you can communicate that to your catering when you're uh, working with them. And that's another place where if your venue recommends specific caterers, I go with them. Like don't think that they're trying to like just help out their friends. I mean, who knows they might be, but for the most part, if a venue recommends caterers, it's because they've worked in the space before and they know exactly what is needed to set up and, and do your event um, without a hitch. So that's something I would say you need to think pretty um, clearly on early and, um, just make note of every little detail. Uh, I think power, water, refrigeration are the the three key things. And then the other part of this is also your bar setup. Every venue is going to have slightly different rules as to what type of liquor license you need to have, whether you need to have a liquor license at all, mm. whether you can bring in liquor, whether you can hire a outside bartending company, um, so all of those details need to be clarified with the venue ahead of time. Um, because, for example, some venues will only let you have a bartender who is licensed and who provides the liquor. And some venues will let you bring in your own liquor, but then you also have to get your your own event license and liability insurance. So you need to clarify those details early on. Don't just assume that you can do a DIY bar. Don't assume you can do it without licensed bartenders. Um, just make sure that, that you have thought all that through. And also it's and, a good point, Erica, you make about just assumption. I think a lot of people go, yeah. oh, I just assume this will be cool. And then as they get closer to the date and, as you said, these details start to actually come into you know, fruition and they start to yeah. actually happen and you go, oh, fuck, this is not allowed or this is a completely different law to, or rule, state yeah. rule to where I live if you're getting married. And, and I know, just wanting to jump back quickly, we had a, a private house and I think we've said this before, but let's just say it again, that yeah, it's great and I highly encourage people to find alternative venues and it's been a big passion of mine to be able to say you don't have to get married in a you know a pre-existing venue if that's not your scene but also just to really reiterate that it's not always cheaper. It does take up a lot more time and if you've got a, a coordinator or a planner on board to actually chase up these little details, it will make your life so much easier, especially when yep. you're in an quote-unquote unconventional location that might need extra help and where Rich and I got married it was a private house it was beautiful and they did do recommended caterers they had I think four or five and we met with three of them and I totally agree with you the people that we picked 
they knew the venue. We had to bring in a refrigerator on a trailer, you know, because it, mm-hmm. it was literally a house. And yeah. for them to say, here's what you absolutely, the bare bones, the bare minimum, because we were tight. <laughs> we were yeah. budget, you know. Oh, yeah. But they they got it and they said, look, you need a $500 refrigerator. You need to factor that in. And that was in their quote. They organized it and they said, we need to bring in our own burners. There's two toilets in the property. So that'll probably do for 40 people. But they were in the same mindset of going, this is exactly what we need to set up um, a commercial kitchen. And as you said, even going into a a town hall or a church hall, they're Mm -hmm. often not set up to bring in a caterer couldn't just turn up and cook there often. So right. yeah, I think it's, you really need to just do your homework and, and really put a extra 10% contingency for shit that you're not expecting in your budget as well. Definitely. Yeah. And actually you mentioned something that wasn't on my list, but needs to be bathrooms. Ah, <laughs> our favorite. Cause people so, drink and it's a natural thing to yes. go to the toilet. So here's here's the big thing. Now, if you're at a, a regular event venue that it, you know does events on a regular, they're gonna have enough. You know, they're they're gonna there's zoning rules and like um, inspection details that you have to have a certain number of bathrooms and like uh, you know handicap accessibility and all that. But if you're in a non-traditional venue, then you are going to potentially have to arrange for bathrooms and yeah. that can if you want those like super fancy nice portageon like the trailer bathrooms that are, like have little you know fancy hand soaps and hand dryers and all that y- yeah you'll be shelling out a, a good amount of money mm-hmm. so plan plan this ahead ask your cater i mean sorry ask your venue um what the situation is consider how many people you're going to have and you need to make sure you have the right number of bathrooms for the number of people you have the other thing to keep in mind is if you're doing this on a private um like a a private house or um a property out that might be in like um in the country where they're on a well or like a septic you um you cannot have 200 people on a on a well bathroom and and have it go well so you're going to need to bring in some stuff so that's like one of those details no one wants to think about it's not cute but it's so important and, um, you know, make sure that you've got the, you, you want something nice so that your guests don't feel like gross, basically. <laughs> and I, and I have to apolog- apologize, Erica, because I know in Australia you go, where's the toilet? Where are the toilets? And then when we yeah. go to America, if you go, hi, if you're in a restaurant, you go, excuse me, where are the toilets? And people look at you like you've just gone, I'm going to go take a dump. You, so yeah. I forget that you've got to go, where are the bathrooms? Uh, the bath-? <laughs> and Rich always laughs because he, you know, it's, it's like the first day when the States, we always make that mistake and people look horrified that we've just asked for a toilet. So if people hear me say it, it's just my Australianisms. And also in, Austra- in England, you go, excuse me, where are the loos? Uh, yeah. Which, you know, it's very blah, blah, blah. So um, apologies for using the word toilet. But I've said oh, a lot I worse. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny. Um, so yeah, that's a that's another little bonus. I knew one would come up, and actually, I thought about another. Um, and this one's getting a little bit more into like wedding planner territory. But it's something that if you're not, um, if you don't have a wedding planner, you can absolutely look up some information about this online and um, and and do it for yourself. But it's an event risk assessment. 
That sounds fancy. Ah, good. Um, but what you can do is you can look this up online. Basically, it's a list of questions you can ask about your event and your venue. And it helps you walk through what potential emergencies um, could happen at your event. And it's something that a lot of wedding planners will do. And you can use that then to decide like what level of insurance you need uh, when you're getting event insurance, which I highly recommend um, people do. It's not very expensive. Um, and you can go through this and determine what you might need to plan for. So an example of this would be um, on a, a recent venue walkthrough, I noticed there was uh, a lot of uneven ground um, in the area where that, like a lot of guests are going to be like walking around and stuff. So, you know, potentially something that you need to plan for is, is somebody when they're drunk twisting their ankle. Um, so that doesn't necessarily mean you have the paramedics on standby, but it might mean you have an ace bandage in your wedding kit. Yeah. Um, and you know, you might want to make sure you have wedding insurance so that if somebody sues you for hurting themselves, then you're covered. Yeah. But, um, it can be other things too. Like if, if you're going through the event risk assessment and you realize your venue doesn't have a lot of lighting, it might mean, oh, maybe I need to rent some lighting. Or if it's going to be chilly on that day, you can get some. So like it, it's both safety and, and um, liability things, but also use this as an opportunity to really assess the, the full event, the full scope of the day and details about it. So you know, like, what's the chance of it raining? Historically, like, on your wedding date, what's the um, percent chance of, of having rain on your wedding day? Do you need to arrange for a, a backup plan? That sort of thing. So that's something you can look up online. Um, I'll give a – I'll try to find a good link for it It's um, and, and then include that in the, the blog post about this episode. Um, so that's a that's a – a really helpful one and that's something you probably wouldn't find on like a normal like I'm DIYing my wedding uh blog post or something yeah. that's really yeah. a, like a wedding planner thing so um yeah would okay, you be cool. able to share one of yours potentially in our show notes today yeah I probably can yeah, yeah. even just a brief and, yeah. idea and and yeah. I will say um you know Erica was a really big help looking through the Bride Chiller Field Guide. You know, you went through the vendor questions and really with a fine tooth comb, and I'm I'm very grateful for that because I think you put your planner coordinator hat on and and really <laughs> added a lot of questions, especially around the venue um, topic because we each chapter in the field guide is is based on um, you know questions that we hope would be yeah. helpful, and you really contributed to sort of getting from your perspective as a professional and and I think there are quite a few questions in just from memory about venues um mm -hmm. you know logistical stuff that potentially I would never have thought of that we've you know used it in the book so yeah. that's also a suggestion but it'd be great to see that also in TV in my day job we have risk assessments that whenever we go yes. out on a shoot we use a risk assessment form which I I was just thinking I've got a few of them they're pretty boring and they're probably not venue related they're more like will there be if you have cords will there be gaffer tape down so no one trips and breaks their neck but it's you know the same kind of stuff though. yeah and, and like your decor and things like if you have hanging installations what's the chance that those are going to fall yeah. on somebody, you know and those are those are like the boring details that people just need to think about and also everyone wants to hope that like their wedding is going to be perfect and amazing but I'm going to tell you, usually something goes wrong. Sometimes that thing that goes wrong 
can be something that's dangerous to people. Yeah. I had a, um, a grandmother, um, of the, I think it was the grandmother of the groom fell on a narrow, like kind of uneven stairway hallway in, uh, in a historical venue. And, you know, we had to call the paramedics. It sucked. Mm -hmm. But like, Mm -hmm. thankfully in that case, like the, uh, the event, um, sorry, the venue coordinator, the venue manager, she like, she's dealt with this before, you know, like, and that was her property. So it was basically like, okay, she was handling it for liability reasons. But like, those are sorts of things that you need to review ahead of time and have a plan for and at least just talk to somebody it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be like doing any extra work but have a conversation with um with your venue like hey what's the contingency plan if somebody hurts themselves who takes over who handles that yeah so that's important to think about so my next one is actually something that's really dumb and um, most people wouldn't even think about or care about but it is directions to the venue and parking information yes i'm telling you like we may as young tech savvy people they may be like everyone is just going to use google maps and they're going to find it and it's going to be perfect but let me tell you (laughs) older folks and just people who are for some reason averse to using their phones or gps i don't understand it but without fail at every wedding we end up with somebody who can't find the venue or can't find a parking space (laughs) now this comes up a lot if you're having a wedding in a downtown or like city location because they're not always going to have dedicated parking and so Something that you can do that's helpful for your guests um, and will just take, I mean, I believe very firmly in they're all adults and they can handle themselves. But if you want them to be on time to your wedding, make sure they have the tools they need. And one really simple thing that you can do to avoid this problem is to create a printed out map and like little notice, like like here's the a little symbol showing where parking is. Um, how many parking spaces are available at the venue. Just let everybody know these things so that they can plan ahead properly so that they have directions if for some reason their phone's not working and then they can make it on time. Um, Give that printed out paper. You you should put it on your wedding website and everything as well Mm. um, and potentially make a card in your invitation. But give that out at the rehearsal dinner or whatever your event the night before is or if you're doing welcome bags or anything. Like, I don't think any of those things are necessary, but, like, if you're doing them, that's a good place to to provide that information. Um, But you can also do, like, um, there's a lot of calligraphers and and graphic designers now who are making these really beautiful, cute, um, hand-drawn maps that they're putting in invitation suites. And I definitely recommend looking those up because they're really cute and and they make the whole like giving directions thing actually kind of fun and not just an afterthought. It's actually pretty and part of your invitation suite. So um, that's a helpful thing. Um, You don't want people driving circles around your venue trying to find a place to park and then, you know showing up five minutes late yeah and calling the couple which is wrong to be ever oh my god anyone that calls without some sort of like absolute life and death situation if you call Mm -hmm. the couple on the wedding day you're a shithead yeah yeah (laughs) my next one is kind of related to this directions and parking thing 
and that is transportation for the wedding party. And you could even go further into transportation for your guests if you have the budget for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently did a wedding where the venue itself had kind of, it was a little bit off the beaten path and it didn't have much parking. Um, they arranged for two shuttle buses from the two hotels and they brought every single one of their guests out there. And I know you guys did something similar to that for your wedding. And that's, yeah, yeah it was that's great. really cool. And everybody just showed up all at one time and it was perfect. And they had the event and then they went home and we did the, the shuttles back in waves. So like we had a, a nine thirty shuttle, we had a ten thirty shuttle and we had a 1130 show or something like that so people didn't have to stay the whole time um but that was very cool and it ensured that everyone got there no one was lost um and no one drove drunk Mm. now if you can't afford for the whole wedding understandable because that is a, a fairly big expense but if you can provide transportation for your wedding party the people who are like who need to be there um for photos or you know stuff like that that's extremely helpful it helps the flow of the day you know you're not having um a groomsman turning up late or you know bridesmaids whatever yeah Uh, Yeah. the other thing too is that you you get everybody there you make sure that they're not stressing out um about like being certain places or like if you have two locations you're getting everybody who's important between those locations quickly and easily um so at the very least i i highly recommend transportation for the wedding party and then if you can do transportation for more of your guests it's lovely but certainly not expected or you know i think it's a nice gesture but and also you know we you know rich just walk past he's gone now he always sort of says the one regret and you know we're talking about regrets in a recent episode and is that Look, we ran out of money, and we asked our guests yeah. to contribute a, a couple of bucks for the 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 bus. And ideally, yeah. we would have just paid for it, and it wasn't you know it was probably eight or nine hundred dollars in total, which was a lot of money when we didn't have it. Um, yeah. But if they were to catch cabs, because we were out in the middle of the sticks, it would have cost yeah. them at least a hundred bucks to get. And Uber wasn't invented then. Sounds like yeah. we got married in the last century. It wasn't that long ago, but it was pre-Uber. So, look, it, yeah. one of those things. And we just did not want people driving on country roads with a couple of beers in them, and then it was dark, and there were animals because it's Australia. Yeah. So, yeah, yep. I mean, there are well, options. The, options. The other really big thing to consider with that too is you can even today you can get an Uber to a location that's yeah. kind of out in the country. But don't count on getting one back (laughs) and don't count on having the number for a cab company. And that's one thing I try to tell my guests if they have, I'm sorry, my clients, if they're having a wedding at a um, a venue that's kind of out in the country, I recommend they get a number for a cab company that Mm -hmm. will make a trip out there and knows where the venue is. And they don't necessarily have to arrange for for drivers though I did have one um, client who did arrange for a cab to basically just make you know round trips like just keep coming back to the venue Mm. um, and help you know whoever needs a ride but um, just have that number somewhere maybe leave it with your venue coordinator leave it it with your wedding coordinator leave it with your mom whatever Um, but to have a number because not everyone's going to be able to get uber to come out not everyone's going to be able to necessarily have cell phone service if you're at a country venue so that's really important to if you want to cut down on people driving home drunk um and even 
even with the transportation thing as a whole, when I say like make sure that this stuff is arranged and, and figured out ahead of time, it doesn't necessarily mean you're hiring somebody. It could mean that you're just having a conversation a month out from the wedding about who's responsible for driving, whose car are we taking, how do we get everyone there with as few cars as possible and on time. So it may even just be a conversation between you and your family and bridal party. It's like, you know, how are we doing this? Let's have this conversation, make a plan and write that plan down and share it with everybody. So that's, I think, something that I just want to know. You don't have to hire somebody. You can definitely do this without spending extra money. Um, So, yeah. And then my other two things are both kind of end of the party things and they kind of go together in a little, in a way. The first one is who's responsible for taking gifts and decor and and like your cards and stuff Mm -hmm. home at the end of the night if you're not. So a lot of times I'll get to a wedding and, you know, I, I ask my clients to arrange this at a time and I'll say about 75% of the time they do. And then the other 25% of the time that little line is like, we'll see, we're going to talk to our parents. And then they never confirm it. And that's confusing because if you've got a, um, like your venue manager or your wedding coordinator, if they don't know exactly who is supposed to be taking your gifts home at the end of the night, um, I, I hate to break it to you. We do not know every single person's name of all of your guests. Mm-hmm. We don't know who everybody is. And if somebody comes up to me at the end of the night and said, Oh, the Brian group told me to take their gifts home. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then you call me two days later. Hey, where are our gifts? I'll be like, I don't know. Some lady with red hair took them. Um, I, that we can't have that. That's not a, that's not good. So, um, I like to know exactly who's supposed to be taking those home. I like to see them get put into the car, you know, who, however we're handling that. I just want to make sure that they get home and that you're not leaving them with somebody who is, um, doesn't know they're supposed to take that stuff home and get it to you after the fact. Um, so yeah, just make sure you have a plan for, for gifts and, and the important stuff. Like, and the same goes for any important, um, elements from the wedding, like decor pieces or mementos, um, you know, things like from memory tables or your wedding dress, um, lots of different things that are really important, you know, big ticket items that you don't want getting lost or left at the venue, mm-hmm. et cetera. And then my last one is also kind of related to this end of the day thing. And that is if you're staying in a hotel after your wedding, how are your overnight bags getting to your hotel room? Good point. Oh, here's the thing. A lot of times people will get like the honeymoon suite or a, a special room. That's not necessarily the one they stayed in the night before. Um, because it's their wedding day and they want something special. Well, Here's the thing, and I'm just speaking from experience. Uh, <laughs> when my husband and I got married, we stayed out partying until 2 a.m., and then we kind of had a bit of a walk of shame back to the hotel with some of our friends. We get to our room and realize we don't know where our bags are. <laughs> They're not in the room. They're not in our room. They might be in someone else's room. We're not sure. And then I was like, I think they might be in my parents' car. Oh, no. And. Oh, no but it's 2am and we don't have any way of 
getting that information from them. So I learned very quickly, have a plan for how those overnight bags are getting into your room. And if check-in for your room is after you're already at the venue, you need to assign somebody to make sure they get there. Um, Because otherwise you're going to be getting up the next morning and being like, hey, mom and dad, can you bring me my bag? And it's not a good look. It's not. That's a really good point. Would you do that as a coordinator? Have you been asked to do that, like ferry things around and make sure they're in the right places? So I generally don't, but I can usually help kind of facilitate that happening. I, um, myself and a lot of coordinators do have a, um, a bit of a limit on how much personal items we will, um, take responsibility for. Um, if it's at the venue, it's like, like, let's say the hotel is a, you know, you're having a hotel wedding. Yeah, sure. I'll, I would do that sort of thing. Yeah. But if it's a matter of going between, um, event venues and, and delivering things, generally speaking, no, but I like to ask the questions and I, if there's nobody at all that can handle that stuff, sure. I I mean, there have been times where I like, I've, you know, delivered stuff to places at the end of the night just because there was no one else to do it and it was the easiest way. But for the most part, I try to, um, particularly when I'm just coordinating. Now, if I'm the full planner and there's a little bit more, um, involvement there, Mm. sometimes I will, but generally speaking, I try to, to stay out of like the personal items. Um, mostly for liability issues. Sure. Um, and I think you'll find that with most um, with most coordinators, they'll have a similar rule. The other thing that a lot of times coordinators shy away from is transporting things like the, um, like let's say you need to return your vases and decor pieces to a florist after the wedding. Um, a lot of times a coordinator, they might, take that and transport it back but for the most part that's going to stay on you to do because that's like you don't want to transfer the liability you don't want to be responsible for another vendor's items um and you know then if you get if they break with you then you're responsible so you know stuff like that that and that's another thing you need to think about is like how is your decor and stuff getting returned how is that getting picked up at the end of the night is it happening at the end of the night um sometimes uh they will charge extra for a late pickup so let's say it's 2 a.m and you want your rental people to come back because your venue won't let you break down the next day you might spend an extra 250 likewise there's other people who will insist on coming that night and then don't want to break down the next day so if you they have to come back a second day they may charge you extra Mm -hmm. so those are details to work out with your florist and your rental people ahead of time as well so there's a little bonus um, I think that's everything I had. Uh, I hope that was super helpful. <laughs> oh, I would, I think it's very helpful. And I do think, you know, one thing we always say is the easiest way to not get overwhelmed is just to be organized and not feel like you have to do all of this stuff at once. This is about, mm-hmm. you know, structuring your planning and your uh, timeline. And I don't mean like day of timeline, but I also mean your planning timeline, just to make yeah. sure you cover all these details. And as we said, whether you choose to hire a coordinator uh, or a planner or go it alone or work with a venue coordinator potentially, there are so many options, but it's also just, you know, whether you buy a bloody bride chiller book or buy a notebook from Kmart, I don't care. I mean, I do care deeply, but make <laughs> sure you have somewhere you put all this information and 
you know, take notes and, and go to our show notes and just write down little things that you can then ask your venue or ask your um, family and friends, like the bag thing, just to go, okay, allocate to make sure one of your bridesmaids can deliver the bag to the hotel lobby, you know, like or the front desk or something. Like it's really easy, but it's just remembering yep. this stuff and then not getting freaked out in the 48 hours before your wedding and go, oh, fuck, where are my bags? So, yeah. Erica, this has been amazing as usual. You were a, a, a huge, I was going to say a vat of information. It's not the sexiest <laughs> way to describe you. I'm fine with that. It's fine. She's a wedding planning vat just spewing out information. She's <laughs> overflowing and bubbling out. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Erica, you, thank you so much. And, look, we've had quite a few bride chillers um, in the community who have hired your services. So I yes. would like you to plug. And uh, it's always nice seeing someone going, uh, you know, getting emails or seeing someone message going, Erica's amazing. I'm so glad we found her. We're using her. She's great. And and you do travel too with your work, don't you? I do. Yes. Um, so yeah, right now. And actually the interesting thing is um, because I'm in, in North Carolina, um, several of the people who have contacted me through Brychilla are actually based in other parts of the country, but they're getting married in North Carolina. Right. Uh, and so that's, that's one kind of cool thing that I can help with. But I also do travel, um, happy to, and I love seeing other places. And, and, um, if, if, if you're in like New York, I'm, that's, that's an easy one for me because I got family and friends up there, but, uh, I travel really anywhere if, if you're, if you're interested. Um, but yeah, I'm working with, oh gosh, four or five um, folks from Bridechilla. That's great. Well, couples, so ten. Yeah, <laughs> but it's really great, and I'm I'm like literally every time somebody reaches out, and I know we're like we're gonna get along great, and yeah. it's gonna be perfect because yeah. I'm like if you're already in this community, like we're gonna be friends, like no question. Uh, that um, that so, is yeah. the best thing about the community, and also the vendors that we attract, and you know we try and yeah. sort of say the vendors that you know everyone's probably filled out the little questionnaire, hopefully at the top of the when you join yeah. the page, and vendors are very aware that it's a not a an ultra plugging zone but so many vendors just jump in with great information like you do that I think we you and I both work together very you know we talk about it a lot to say we just want to keep the community a place that's cool and a nice place to be and isn't to you know you see people posting a lot of shit in other forums it's like ugh, this is overwhelming so I agree with you we attract our people and that's really Mm -hmm. such a great thing about the community now if people do want to book you Erica where do we get in touch? How do we get so, in touch? Uh, the best way to, to get in touch is through my website, which is uh, com. We'll post a link because it's French. Um, <laughs> it's such a bad marketing choice on it's my part. It's fantastic. It's just, it's. I always feel like I'm going to say it wrong with my Australian twang going de event. And it's so nice when you say it. You you got it though you you've got it down yeah it I'm took learning. a year but it's okay it's only taken you a year it. and I just always get nervous <laughs> saying it because I'm like I just this is Erica's business and she's such a great person I just want to yeah. make sure I did it right <laughs> and I realize it, we're almost we're almost at a year of working together Woo! and I want to thank you for that oh. but it's also my almost exactly two year anniversary of discovering the podcast wow <laughs> I know it's you are crazy. old school. I know. I was like thinking about it. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. Well, the best thing is, you know, you've been helping me this past month just really book in a lot of great guests coming up. And I think we're really honing in on 
um, some excellent topics, which a lot of them have come from suggestions from the community. And I'm really excited about some of these guests that you've been uh, oh, yeah. been hunting down and, and procuring for us. So lots of, yeah, <laughs> lots of great things. Um, if you have a question or a comment that you would like to ask us, uh, maybe you've got a coordinator or a planner question that you would like uh answered on the Bride Chiller podcast, please visit thebridechiller.com or you can simply tag Erica or myself in the community. We see all of them. We try and reply to everyone's comments and uh, we just love that everyone's so involved and excited. So if you aren't a member, as I said, you just need to look up Bride Chiller community. You will find my face, I think, on the icon. <laughs> Click on it and join. And uh, and also, if you are a Bride Chiller graduate, you can join the Chiller Grads, which is a another Facebook group we've got going where you can talk about all the post-wedding stuff. Really, it's mm-hmm. the options are endless. Thank you so much for joining me, Erica, and thank you for thank listening, you. our lovely Chillers. Until next week's episode, happy days. Days. <laughs> the Bride Chilla Podcast, telling chair covers to get fucked since 2014. <laughs>